What are you drinking, Ian? I've got uh, a whiskey soda. I was thinking about pouring the uh, pouring the heaven's door, but I'm I'm running low at this point. So this is uh, Wild Turkey 101 and uh, and some soda for now. Might might switch to the heaven's door by the end of this. We'll see. Uh, started out with with whiskey, but soon hit the harder stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I was going to drink red wine, but then mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't have a corkscrew apparently mm. in my new apartment. Mm. And <clears throat> so I guess I'm going with whiskey and the only whiskey I have is I'm embarrassed to even say what it is, but it's, um, heaven's door. No, it's, um, it's scotch from Trader Joe's. All right. Yeah, you know, Trader Joe's, they do a fun job. Trader Joe's this scotch. Not, That's funny. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it has their name on it. It's, it, it smells better than it tastes. Do they call it like Joey Walker or something? The way that they have like a funny, like kitschy no, Trader no. Joe's inspired name for all the brands that you know. Why would it be Joey? Oh yeah, no, it's, it, like it's not. No, it's just meant to look like real Scotch, but it, it's from Trader Joe's. I mean, it's technically Scotch. Well, I'm glad you're drinking something brown. I feel like uh, I feel like that's appropriate. Beer or whiskey, I think, are 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 the appropriate drinks to be drinking for. This record, this kind of he gets feeling. he mentions gin on it though. Does he? It's in like a really dark context. Okay. <laughs> well, salute. To, uh, Cheers. Um, Lahaim, as they say, to life. Yeah, Lahaim. Um, <clears throat> I'm Ian. Evan here. And, uh, well, I mean, those of you at home, you have seen the episode description and the title at this point. Uh, I think we, we, j- we should probably just acknowledge right up front, you know, uh, we, are, we are talking about Purple Mountains, uh, the one and only Purple Mountains record release 2019, three years ago, uh, to the day, or excuse yeah. me, uh, three years ago, you know, uh, close, close to three years ago, if you're listening to this when it comes out. Um, and they're... Uh, Wait, you mean... This will come out on the day. Well, no, this comes out well. So that's the other thing is uh, this came out. Purple Mountains came out, you know, July 2019. I forget the exact day. Um, this episode is being released August 7th, 20, uh, 2022, ah. which is three years to the day since the passing of David Berman. Uh, this is a hard record to listen to. I'm guessing it's going to be a hard record to talk about. Uh, and I don't want to well, dance around it's a hard it record or for, anything. I mean... But every musician that we talked to declined to do this. Right. We have talked to many folks, you know, to, to see if we could uh, get someone with uh, an additional perspective to come on. And ultimately, I, honestly, I, th- I think that it has worked out for the best because I think that this is probably a good one for, uh, you know, Classico style like this. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, there's I, I don't need to I don't feel like we need to put a trigger warning on here or anything, but it is clear. Right. Uh, I mean, David Berman took his own life uh, just a few weeks after he put this record out three years ago uh, and and looking at it here in hindsight it um, you know to me it reads sort of like a, a note uh, to friends family loved one and the listening audience at large um, you know sort of explaining where he was at and why he would go on to take the path that he did so if this is hard music for you to listen to if this is going to be a hard episode for you to listen to you know no no problem, no no arguments here. Uh, but we are going to do the best that we can, I think, to honor the man's memory because this record fucking rocks.
I was going to make a, a stupid joke about like where did you guys, where did you get that interpretation of this record? Right. But um, I don't think there's really a, a different way to interpret it. Although there's things in the record that are, you know, we'll get to it. We'll it's get not to it. all uh, one note. Certainly it, not. No, it is. It is in it. many ways a joyous record, um, yeah. especially musically. You know, and and I think that's part of why it is such a still even today is 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 something that I'm chewing on and gnawing on and, and wrestling with. Just the way that this music sounds is so thrilling and exciting and just puts a smile on my face and then the lyrics just you know it's just there is no greater example i think of a contrast between the way a record sounds and the sentiments behind the songs for the most part than um than we have here um so yeah you know pour yourself a drink i don't know (laughs) yeah uh or if that's a bad idea for you don't. Don't, yes. Call your sponsor. <laughs> um, shall we? Yeah. Uh, well, shall I don't I know just... what, I mean, what else is there? Uh, do we, do you have feelings about, uh, should we talk about like what we thought when this record came out? Yeah, I think that that's good, yeah. right? Like, because this came out July 2019. I was thinking about this recently. Like, you know, that was really sort of like July 2019. I feel like was the last moment before everything just completely went off the rails. Um, just in, in terms of reality, um, or my reality at least. Um, and, and, uh, as soon as we clicked over into August the following month, it was just downhill from there. Um, I thought you were going to say then it was great. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this record came out, you know, in, uh, summer 2019, uh, and just kind of appeared out of the blue, you know, a couple months of, of run up, I think, um, uh, in advance, you know, people kind of became aware of it a few, a few months before it came out and then it just kind of dropped pretty, pretty suddenly. Um, and, uh, and I feel like it was kind of, I don't know, I mean, uh, the, the, the right people knew at the time, I think that like, this was a big thing. This was a big kind of moment, um, and, and something super significant, but it, but it also kind of seemed like it flew under the radar at the time to some extent. Um, and, um, and since then I think has really just grown in, in stature and in just legend, um, in general. And I just, you know, I haven't stopped listening to the record since. Yeah, me neither. I've listened to it, uh, a lot every, every year yeah. since, and, and re- I listened to it a ton when it came out and it actually was the, the record, uh, that made me really get into, uh, Silver Jews. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I had listened I to American Water really, and stuff before yeah, this, but like same. I hadn't, you know, I, I hadn't really done much beyond that. And this record just fucking blew me away right off the bat. And then obviously, you know, kind of what would happen afterwards just sort of solidified that um, that feeling and that that resonance for me. And since then, it's just been onward and upward. So um, yeah, I, I remember my my friend and I were going to we went to Woodsis that year um, up in uh, upstate. Um, Accord, New York, and uh, as we'll get I into, went, I went uh, last year. Yeah, um, but as we'll get year. into Woods, the band, uh, uh, you know, is the band on this record. Um, you know, and, and Woods obviously kind of runs uh, Woods as Jeremy Earl and, and Jarvis Tanabier, uh for the most part. Um, and I remember just like driving around upstate and listening to this record with my friend when we were headed there, and it was you know after David had passed, obviously. Um, but it was just like such a uh, we, I mean, it was just, it was driving in silence the entire time. It was unreal. And they were supposed to actually play. Uh, yeah, they, I had they tickets up. to see uh, at least, no, I, I had tickets to see one of the shows on the tour. Yeah. 
that was uh, the tour that was to happen, which didn't happen. Yeah, they were gonna go go out on the road immediately. There's even like uh, my buddy got my that I went uh, with Jordan um, uh, got the print like the the poster for Woods's Festival 2019, and they had already printed them, and it said Purple Mountains was the headliner for Saturday night, and it was just not um, it was not to be. So it. Um, I don't know. It, 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 this is just—it's very kind of tied up with a lot of stuff uh, in my life, as I'm sure it is in yours and in everyone. Kind of. Yeah, listening. I was—I uh, had just been dumped, uh, or it was—I <laughs> it, it was like a—it was the end of a long relationship, and then uh, I had moved back to California. Listeners to the show might know that that it, it's the uh, this is the other time that that happened. <laughs> this is happening. There's this a the, more recent the first time that, that happened. <laughs> yeah. This was the first time that exact sequence of events occurred, and where I uh, a long relationship ended, and then I moved to Echo Park, California, <laughs> and then <clears throat> that happened again uh, just a few short months ago. But uh, this this one, uh, you know, I was. Uh, in some ways, it wasn't as bad. In some ways, it was worse. That's uh, that's a funny thing about um, being sad is it's always different, always right. the same. That's yeah. what they say about. That's the thing they say about being sad. It's not the thing they say about the fall. Right. The, uh, <laughs> English rock band. Um, I'm wearing a fall T-shirt right now for some reason. Very nice. I feel like this is um, a good record. This is a good like maybe the perfect breakup record in many ways. Some of these songs on here. Well, it turned out pretty good for me because I got to listen to this like right after that. And um, yeah, it, it was it was like getting into Silver Jews and then like listening to this record like at the uh, during like a difficult time and then getting into Silver Jews and putting it on like a playlist for someone who mm. then became my girlfriend for a long time after and then listening to this record, again. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of a uh, lot, lot of stuff tied up there in the uh, in the groups. Well, it just works, you know. This record is Absolutely. just like it's there for this record is there for you, like because it's like gravity, you know. You're well, that's the honestly the terrifying thing about the record, or like the real, or the it's the it's the thing that there, I think is not to like give up the deepest thoughts I have about the record right away, but please. It kind of feels like a record that if you f- trip and fall, it is like down at the, uh, it, it's down in the bottom. <laughs> it's like, it exists on this place that's very low, low center of gravity the, uh, because he was so concerned with making something that meant something. And that was a quote. I mean, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but mm-hmm. it it was something he said was like, I'm tired of, I wish I had the quote. Um, he, he, I think he said, I want to mean, I'm so, I'm tired of like making jokes and, and gagged basically to right. paraphrase that I want really badly to mean with this. Um, and that communicative spirit, I think is something that we uh, really hold in high regard uh, on this program and this is like one of those records where the communicative uh, aspect of it is so strong it's so strong that it feels like a tool like a functional piece of text uh, that you can refer to 
It is complicated, yes. Uh, I think I found the quote that you were referring to here. This is from uh, a, a great kind of um, uh, long-form piece uh, on him. came out around the time of the record from the ringer John Lingen wrote. Uh, uh, David says, My goal with this record was to write more like standards. That's what took so long. Uh, Eleven years passed uh, from the last Silver Jews record to Purple Mountains. Um I consider all my lines problems, and I look for solutions. The older I get, the harder it is, but I don't have time for language poetry anymore. I don't want to throw people off anymore. I don't want to bullshit. I want to mean. Yeah, I want to mean. It's... With that, I don't think that there's much more to uh, say, but to get into the songs. Yeah, um... Yeah, we can we can hop okay, in. We'll we'll obviously I think we'll just naturally talk digress a lot. Um but yeah. Yeah. Let's, you know, we got to do it at some point. So let's let's do it. I don't know what we're going to put in there, but I don't know out. what sound we're going to put in there. How yeah. about just silence? <laughs> um, how about a moment of silence that instead might actually of a, be appropriate. a harmonica? Yeah, uh, you just heard a moment of silence. Um, side one, track one, Purple Mountains. That's just the way that I feel. Well, I don't like talking to myself, but someone's gotta say it. Hell, I mean, things have not been going. so funny but um it's not well that so that is the thing right and and that's why i feel you know i I feel like this is something that needs to like not that we you and i need to be doing this but i feel like this is something that does need to be talked about and and needs to be looked at uh and needs to be you know uh, acknowledged and celebrated is this music is so like this record is hilarious at certain yeah, points it's, throughout it's probably it's one of the funniest laugh out loud funny yeah or or there's lines in it that like if you think about them are so it, 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 the only analog i can think of is, in other art is maybe like certain like con brothers bits or something right where there's like I think you're pretty on the money there. I was like, I get ser- like a serious man vibes from this record intensely. Like this, like cosmic kind of like, oh yeah, just well, like yeah. like the universe is aligned against you, and it comes off. Yeah, in this, actually, like, desperately... we might as well just t- talk about that. I mean, it is hard to not to. I think maybe that specific thing is maybe the one piece of art that actually comes. Uh, close to within spitting distance at least of certain moments on there's a song on this record which in like three four minutes achieves the exact same thing that that two hour whatever movie does right margaritas yeah yeah um which will you know we'll get there but yeah i like you know i i really do i think you're you're actually right about that is like there is this 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 overwhelming sense of just like you know it's too much the world is aligned against you on some holy cosmic level 
and you're not going to get out of this a lot. You're not going to make it through, but you're going to, you know, you're going to do the best you can and you're going to laugh in the face you, of death. You said something just now that I think is actually, I don't know if you meant to say it, but like you said that the world is aligned against you in a holy cosmic level, not an unholy way. And that's like, I think that you maybe accidentally just got to something about the record, which is like um, something I haven't put work, like haven't gotten figured out how to put into words, but that is kind of it. It's like, he never goes so far as to imply that like the universe is evil. Right. He never does that. He never, and there's actually moments which imply the opposite and I think most of the record makes sense when understood in a way where that is the assumption. This uh, this first song, that's just the way that I feel, is a perfect way of getting into that because it's it's like the title says it all. That's just that's just the way that I feel. Right. It's just the way that I feel. It's not. There's so many ways to get like that to read that line. I mean, he says, I want to mean on that, uh, in that quote, he's very, um, adamant that he wants to be clear. He doesn't want to bullshit anyone, but that at, by no means, uh, implies that he is, um, making simplistic lyrical, uh, moves because a lot of the greatness of the record is, is in the ways that you can read things multiple ways. And I think this title of this first track is a like that's there's so much there yes yeah he's never you know uh, he's never lashing out on this record he, you know he's a man that is 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 clearly is going through it i think he gave some interviews around this time where he talked about his like treatment resistant depression depression like, yeah, yeah he, being he could not ca- basically catatonic uh state of just Lying yeah, down. Therapy, medication, you know, uh, uh, TM, whatever. It like nothing gets him. No, nothing gets him over the hump. Um, and and so even with all of that insane, just uh, burden that is on him at all times, you know, th- there is this really like kind of positive and warm a sense of warmth. I think towards the world in general. Um, because this kind of person could have a very kind of jaundiced, um, you know, uh, sick and, and mean and vicious kind of uh, uh, approach towards those around them. Pretty, you know, one person in particular, which we'll get to with, you know, with a couple songs on here. But, um, I, you know, I, I think that he's the, a gentle soul. Yeah, I think that the, the, the generosity and spirit um, that he clearly has for everyone around him um, and, and the human race in general uh, really is what what kind of allows this this record to sail through the way that it does. The the other reading that actually I find kind of haunting about that title is that he said he says and at the end of the song he says and the end of all wanting is all I've been wanting, and then he says and that's just the way that I feel and just there could be it could be like. I like, oh, I'm just one person and I don't really like what I, I don't dictate the terms, but it could also be, and that's just the beginning. That's Mm -hmm. just the way that I feel and everybody feels this way. 
I mean, those lines at the end, I mean, the end of all wanting is all I've been wanting, which he repeats again and again, you know, towards the end of the song. It's a it's a great way to to wrap it up as like to me, that's always been sort of a punchline is like, you know, the the end of all wanting is all I've been wanting. Like, it's it's not so unreasonable for me to just want this. Right. That all I want is the end of all want. Like it's. It, there, there's this, there's this, like this uh, again. I think it, it has a very serious man kind of feeling to it. To me, it's like this, this like enormous, like you know, cosmic sort of desire here that would fix every person's problem ever, everywhere. That's yeah. all he wants. But it's just that one thing. That's all he wants. It's just the but, end of all wanting for everyone, everywhere, uh, and throughout all of time. And it's like you know, it, it's and and that is like you know the 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 realization of that or like, you know, kind of the, the gear, the mechanism in your mind that, that clicks, uh, you know, for me at least when, when you think about that, uh, and the way that he phrases it and the way that he puts it is so like it, it makes you crack your grin and also gives you kind of, or gives me like a sickening feeling in my gut, uh, at the same time. Yeah. I think that's because there is this two ways of thinking about everything there. And, um, that line, I mean, I, I, not to put too fine a point on it, but that, that way that he uses the title, because most of the song is kind of, is is um definitely humorous the whole tone of the song is like a honky tonk uh review type of sound it just feels like yeah it sounds it, super it, warm sounds the like the first rock. line is a is is a great line i mean every line in it is great but uh well i don't like talking to myself but someone's got to say it l etc but um and the last line of, or the last song on the record also mirrors that. Um, yeah, this and this and maybe I'm the only one for me definitely kind of like rhyme with one another on this. Yeah, record. they're perfect. Perfect bookends. opener and, and closer for the record. But but that line, and the end of all wanting is all I've been wanting, and that's just the way that I feel. Uh, it is it is as close as he gets to saying, and that's the way things are. It's as, and that's just to be yeah, like and that's just the way. I feel yeah. it, it's like a put down on himself while also potentially saying I've seen something that maybe you don't want to hear about. And in light of the, you know, the context of the record, it, it, uh, that's a line that like kind of haunts me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be, and, and there's one of those kind of lines in, in every one of the songs, basically, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I, I think that, and, and, and I think that that's part of what makes this record so effective or so brilliant and, and part of what his lyrical approach here, um, is so why that, that lyrical approach is so important and effective and brilliant. You know, like, like he was like that quote that we read a moment ago, I want to mean, I'm trying to write like standards. I'm done with the poetic bullshit. Um, I, I I do really see a ton of latter day Bob in the way well, that he is writing yeah. on this. It's for record. the man on the street. It's for the it's man, for on, the the man on the street. He's, exactly. Like like the the kind of like think of something like San Francisco BC, right? Or um um uh, or even any any of them. Yeah, anything from any Silver Jews, right? Like except like maybe the, the last one, which actually has songs that are a bit like um we could be looking for the same thing yeah, or San Francisco BC, like I just said. Uh, yeah, but we is, could be looking for the same thing is not the same as that. That that's like the most direct. Well, that but that's what I'm Jews saying gets. is like this record is so far beyond where he had left off as silver Jews at that time. And except for that song is what I'm saying. Right. I mean, that's, that that's, one is so direct that like, it feels like 
that's the one that he took that tack to it's like definitely the closest upon. on that record to where he's going here but just the the complete sort of like emphasis on and and uh, obsession with just like like putting it like making you understand like this is just this is me writing about me and the world and the people around me and how I feel about them and all of the beautiful kind of um, uh, fanciful poetic language that people might have come to Silver Jews for you know for decades at that point a, a decade plus um, it, it's it's something that he can do it's something that he has experience with obviously but it's just like He's he, th this record feels like urgent and vital to me. Like like I I almost feel like he knew his time was running out when he was writing yeah, it and well. when he was recording it and like he he had these things that he had to say and get across to people and it was just so it was so important to him to be able to do that uh, that that he had to just completely cut to the bone and be as straight and simple and direct and 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 straight and narrow and true as you get on you know, uh, on, on, on Latter-day Bob. Um, and I, I, I really don't think that anyone stands up to like Bob's lyricism the way that David Berman does. Like no, I, it's, the only it's kind true. of fear that I can think of. Yeah. There's nobody else who's like able to, um, I mean, he actually talked a lot about like, like some old country, like corny country songs. And I think that same piece that we were talking about that interview, there was like one particular, like yeah, Johnny ball. Paycheck is yeah, it was is like a major my violin. Kind of, it was something about like my like the old violin or something like yeah, that. The old, yeah, Johnny Paycheck, the old violin. Tonight I feel like an old violin, soon to be put away. And never played again Don't ask me why I feel like this Hell, I can't say I only wish this feeling Would just go away I guess it's called the truth It's a hard You know, he was talking about it's like this totally cornball song, but it's like also, uh, you know, maybe it's not. <laughs> right. And um, and and Dylan. I mean, he's the reason. Hey, just like bring it back. Like the reason why I told everyone that uh, said in public that triplicate is the best Bob Dylan record <laughs> um, is because uh, it's the closest I think you get to Dylan. Um recognizing that communication is the most important part of music. And I think he realizes that songs have actually done that better than he did at times or like clearer, maybe not better, but they've done it really clearly. Sure. And then he was like, finally at a point where he felt like I'm ready to um, go in that I direction. I can't, I can, well, I not just go in that direction, but like I can, inter I can fill these vessels of these songs with something that, is up to the um, task. I don't know. I, we, I can't say any more about this song because I'm looking at the next song and I want to talk about 
it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get there momentarily. Just uh, do want to mention just very briefly, music on this record is oh, yeah. fantastic. A totally Woods. different kind of sound and feeling and vibe than he had pursued on Silver Jews, and yet it really fit. Like it feels of a, it feels so natural. I don't think uh, it's different. I think it's more. Um, it ended up being more. Uh, what's the word? Like cl- it clarified. Like just like. Yeah, I think it, um, it suits everything the, else. It suits the music and it suits the feeling and the energy perfectly. I mean, that the, there is a like you know the the recording, the creation of the Purple Mountains record. I think has already become sort of a myth on its own, right? Like we we're aware um, it was going to be the first record Dan Behar ever produced. Still hasn't still hasn't produced a record that has come out at least. Um, uh, Berman went up to to Vancouver and spent I think a couple months with him, just trying to trying to bang it out and make it happen, and it just wasn't. It wasn't working. I, I think I remember, I forget if it was Berman or if it was Behar, one of the two of them, uh, you know, described the music that they were saying, that they were recording at the time as like very brittle and, um, and, and harsh kind of sounding. Mm. And that's, those are, those yeah. are two adjectives you know, that you could not imagine less, more, anything less appropriate for the way that this record as it exists for us to hear no. kind of sounds. Brittle and I, harsh are the. I imagine like Werner Herzog hearing the, the Dan Behar version of this record and being like, you must never let anyone hear this. It is, too, it is too much. It's too, it's horrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, because it would be. It probably would be. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it'd that's be the thing. Curio. Like, it would be like me, the, it'd be like the Brian Eno version of Marquee Moon, which kind of just sucks. Like, right. yeah, I mean, knowing when, knowing when, and and knowing when to say no and walk away, right, is 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 just as important. I think. Uh, I mean, if you told me. Five years ago, before this ever came out, like, oh, there's music that David Berman and Dan Behar made together. Would you like to hear it? It's pretty clear what the answer to that question would Smash be. Smash that like Let, button. Yeah, give me that. Uh, but but I think, like, looking at what we ended up getting and looking at both of their feelings on on what they were pursuing at the time, um, you know, I, I think that it it certainly makes sense that they went the direction that they ended up going. Well, it's you know, crazy to think about. Because directions. And not ever, at, at least up until this point, it hasn't seen the light of the day. It probably will at some point, and if it does, I'm certainly going to listen to it. But yeah. there's something appropriate in it, not in that just being somewhere in the constellation of music that Berman pursued in the decade plus after can Lookout you, can Mountain, you, Lookout City. I, I literally can't think of anyone worse for the job, even the, as much as I love him. I mean, I don't know what it sounds like, but like, well, I mean, if I, he I, no, hear me out, if he wanted to be clear, if he was about like not obfuscating anything and being as concise and potent with communicate communicative power sure. as possible. There is nobody like David Bur- I mean, Dan Behar is like the grand master of doing the opposite of that. Um, I mean, maybe it was great, but like I, I want, I just can't imagine that they were, I don't know how that would work because like I, I think Dan Behar is just as good in a lot of ways, but he just a he does it from the other direction. Kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're totally right about that. I, I he's think like I cutting re- with a machete through just like where where Berman at this point is like cutting with a machete through the thicket to like clear a path. Dan Behar is kind of like just kind of like moving through the 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 
dense foliage and kind of just like <laughs> taking a nap sometimes and then getting back up and just like and, and kneeling down on the ground yeah just several kind of minutes. like <laughs> yeah just like kneeling enough. down like sipping the water out yes, of a yeah. flower and then just kind of like getting back doing up. circles on stage just he's, wandering around he's certainly not interested in clearing a path of understanding for the audience yeah, that's it's, definitely true he just wants you to like try to get on his level and he's a genius for it but they are i think they're they are absolutely like if, if we're just looking at it like in terms of like you know their their caliber as poets berman and behar absolutely on the same level but they are different ends of the spectrum and and i yeah. think that it, it makes sense that they would have pursued uh you know a partnership together because obviously both of them have great respect for one another two of the great artists of our time uh but it you know sometimes it just doesn't it doesn't fly for for the record, for what it's worth, I think I remember Behar, or excuse me, um, Berman saying at one point in an interview that he had been attracted to Behar, um, like based on like Street Hawk and that kind of sound and vibe, which obviously ages was years and, ages and years ago. ago. <laughs> that's but, like someone, but it's a little uh, bit that's closer. Like, it is definitely closer to oh, what closer you get on this yeah. this record in terms of the sound, right? It doesn't sound like Ken. It's like going to. Uh, it's like Daniel Lanois being like, Bob, why don't you make a, yeah, give me a, a song like, uh, you know, just do something like, uh, you know, the times there are changing. Give me Rolling Stone, Bob. Yeah, give it's... me Rolling Stone. And Bob is like in his uh, uh, everything is broken period. Um, uh, the second oh, song, the second song on this record. Yeah, geez, we've done 40 I, minutes. I okay. knew this was going to be. I told you I wanted to start at seven. I knew this was going to be a long one. All my happiness is gone. Friends are warmer than gold when you're old. Keeping them is harder than you might suppose. Lately I tend to make strangers wherever I go Some of them were once people I was happy to know Um, the second song is Melt With, Melt With You it's, it's honestly like I was gonna say like this is this is Berman's like New Order song like this is as close to like a new wave kind of just like dance rock kind of song as he ever put out and it it's I mean it's a perfect song I don't know what like I will say more certainly but right off the bat let me just say let me enter into the record perfect song all my happiness is gone he like he's just like Dylan in that he can pull off just like copying it's beautiful that Qu- he copied quote, a thing quoting. like this. Quoting. Copied, quoted, <laughs> potato, tomato. You know, he's doing uh he's he's doing it because he knows that it's gonna work and it does work, and not everybody can do that and have it work. Right. And it's just a thing everyone who listens to the song kind of knows, but it doesn't matter at right. all. At all. Like Right. Yeah. It's a very, you know, you might, you might take the form or the feeling of, of a song like that, but what he does with it is quite a bit different than, than something like that. If there is, and if there is a song on this record, I think that, that has some sort of DNA from the Destroyer sessions, like, I feel like it would be this song, right? Cause like that, that synthesizer, which is so 
perfect and and striking and and anemic and like like terrifyingly sad at the same time. Like that, well, that it's a melotron. Kind of, yeah, organ, keyboard, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it it, uh, it it feels kind of out of place or, or not of a piece with a lot of the rest of the music on this record, and um, and I think that's part of why it's so effective for me at least. Is like it, it's it's not a sound like a sonic texture that you get through most of this album, um, and so when it pops up on this song, especially to the extent that it does on this song, because it, it it really like this song rides that that riff from beginning to end. It's so, I don't know, it just, it really kind of gets, it gets into me. It's the first single that came out, right? And I remember hearing it and just being like uh, instantly really excited for the record. Um, the song is like just uh, and it's just like perfect a punch. Song. A, yeah, it's a perfect song. It's a <laughs> it's just like a punch in the face or like a blast of cold water or air. It, it's um. The lyrics are incredible. I feel like it's stupid talking about individual lyrics. I think maybe we should avoid that on this mm. because actually maybe that's just like I mean there are the some spectacular. I mean icy I bike know. chain rain in yeah, Portland, Oregon. Are you kidding up. me? Like, that one's like uh, that is so like that never that never ceases to amaze. Yeah, I, I know that one's like uh, Ghost of Electricity. God damn, it face. really is. It really is. But uh, and there's also the. Silver Lakes, which I always yeah. thought was like, you know, right before he talks about Oregon, it is actually like, I think, a nod to Los Angeles of in course. a way. I mean, if I wanted to talk about the lyrics, I would have to say every line because I think every line is there for a reason. Everyone works perfectly. And when I've been listening to it lately, this is one of the songs that actually I felt more i i noticed that i felt moved and uh deeply affected by songs that actually when it first came out i was like well there's the really sad ones and then there's the ones like this right and this is actually now to me one of the like really sad ones um a song called all my happiness is gone (laughs) yeah but you know i used to feel like i think when i first heard it i was like it's it has a catharsis to it, which I mean the whole it record does, does, and so it feels like a release in a way. Um, and it that's what's what grabbed me for the uh, at first was really like just how how completely blunt that statement is. That's what's like so remarkable about this record is the fact that like I mean, we talked a moment ago about like you know the fact that he had this treatment resistant depression as as he said, um, and and. Like I, you know, I can't. I cannot imagine the 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 burden that that everyday life feels like with something like that, uh, and certainly the experiences that he had gone through at this moment in time. His wife leaving him, the hundreds of thousands of dollars of credit card debt, as he was very fond of mentioning in interviews around this time. Um, 
Uh, but like the the willingness that he had to look all of that in the face and not blink, not look away, not try to pull any punches and and turn this into something universal and 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 really kind of like cathartic and celebratory uh, as far as the music goes, like something that anyone who's listening can can listen to and throw on and even if they're facing something similar or have something you know uh, along the same lines that they're going through, get get some sense of like like you know there's someone else out there going through this like me um yeah it, it's it's I, there's no other word for it but brave to me and you know it's uh, i'm almost yeah like Jesus, courageous I'm almost, yeah. I'm almost tearing up just talking about this <laughs> um it, it's like i i just it's remarkable it's a courageous song and the record is really full of it's it's the it is it's like it's one of those things where sometimes actually like I feel like the word courage is not really thought of um much these days like I feel like that's a word that usually is put in the bin of like it's there's a built-in hyperbole to that Mm -hmm. word and I I think that like when you realize that sometimes like there's something about a piece of writing or art um or music or like and this is one of those cases where the thing that's bugging you maybe about like, like, why is this so, is like, this is so great. And like, I think you're dancing around that it is only really describable by a word, like certain words that you maybe just kind of put out of your vocabulary because you think that they're trite. Right. But like, this is one of those times when courageous is like, kind of the word to use and right. it like is the word to use yeah yeah not not, not a record not a, not a word that has probably appeared too often in the jokerman dictionary and discussions about you know sally sue brown <laughs> and uh my wife's hometown if there's going to be a song i think that that like sums up the entire vibe of the record the entire kind of aim of the project silver uh, excuse me silver mountains silver mountains, mountains. Purple Jews. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's this song. Uh, perfect for perfect for single. Perfect placement on the record side two or song two. You know uh, side one. And it's um, I, I, I don't know. I I just this is a song that will be with me through my life, as I'm sure it is for you and for everyone else listening. It's yeah, and perfect. you kind of hope that it's not, but it will be. And uh, maybe it, yeah. you really hope that it won't be, but it might. Uh, you know, it's but you know whether or not whether or not it is whether or not it ends up being. A song right. that it needs to be f- there for you throughout your life, it is there for you, it is, and that's what's so beautiful. Well, that's so, the, so, what I said so at the very beginning. It. That it's like you get the sense when you hear this record that you're like meeting this thing that is kind of just like, um, I don't know. It's just like recognizing a new part of your hand, the back of your hand. It's just like, oh, that's there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's always it's always been there, and you're just you're always just been looking there. at it. Yeah. yeah, it really is kind of that is something that you know I I don't want to spend too much time on necessarily, but just like the fact that this came out in 2019, right? It just it doesn't it feel like out of time to you, like unstuck. Like this record could have come out in like 1993, or it could have come out well, today. I, I or can't it could think have come of another record. Any other? Can like you think of another so record? Timeless. Can you think of another album that like so soon after it came out was just like universally recognized as an instant classic as this right. one and actually is like it actually is. Cause yeah. I mean, uh, fetch the bolt cutters 
10 from Pitchfork. Oh, like, don't even. <laughs> look, it's a, I, I mean, I, I like Fiona Apple a lot. <laughs> Everyone was just going insane from being inside for three weeks sure. at that point. Like, I <laughs> April mean, April 2020. I, it's a good record. And I mean, on, I, it's stupid to argue about these fucking things because really the three star system is all that matters. That's the superior ranking. But, uh, you know, we all know that this record is like one it's that. A, it's it's what it, this is the a real ten out of ten and did they give it that? No, of course not. Yeah, they gave it like an eight point four or something oh, like that. Fuck which is off. Uh, but th- so this isn't this is an interesting point to touch on, right? Because he gave a uh, Berman oh, gave an interview right. with uh, Vishkana on Creative Control, I think his podcast, like a month before this record came out or something. Yeah, like shouts that. out a very good podcast. Yeah, it's great, great show. Um, uh, uh, and and he mentioned in there, uh. You know, I think Fish asked him at the mo- at at one point, like, why did you hang it up after Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea? You know, what what made you go away for so long, eleven years, something like that? And uh, and he straight up said, like, you know, that record, I felt like I had gotten to a new stage, I'd gotten to a new level, I had done something really great and significant, and pushed myself further. And it came out to you know, kind of shrugs and eye rolls and and whatevers from people. And he literally he quotes the exact number that Pitchfork gave him a six seven. I did feel kind of like I had topped out on the last record. I was very alarmed when that point in two thousand eight, a Pitchfork review really meant a lot, and it got a really you know, average rating on Pitchfork, mm-hmm. 6.7. And that really burned me for a long time. I felt, I really felt, well, I really tried as hard as I could, and I really got the message back that maybe I had peaked. You know, it, it really, like, and I think that, that just speaks to the kind of guy that, that David was and and what he, and why this something like this is so is so brave and courageous of him to do is because like the 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 adoration or the acceptance or the approval of those around him you know the listening public uh, reviewers critics audiences partners friends loved ones whatever clearly meant so much to the guy um and um i mean it's just um i don't know it, i i it's very frustrating to me that um, that something so silly as that could have had such a profound emotional impact on a guy like David. And and I don't, you know, I'm not here to to you know uh, to cast aspersions on anyone at this point. But like, you know, just the thought that that something as insignificant as that from some fucking fool, uh, you know, uh, just who just you know tossed that off in 15 minutes for their day job could have had such a such a cutting effect on. One of our generations, you know, just most brilliant talents is so. Our generation, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. The, 2000, you know, the two, th- whatever. Yeah, I know. This guy is so. This guy. Um, All My Happiness is Gone, perfect song. Yes. The, uh, the next song, I, I just want to point out that, like, every single sequencing change in this record is etched into my mind <laughs> that like <laughs> when this song ends i'm just yeah. like it's almost like it's the I'm same song yeah it just goes right yeah like i just know that that the beginning little drum fill of darkness and cold is about to happen that's a perfect record for you
this record, um, even though it's just like a a record that's basically made with record with instruments and production techniques that are common across indie rock as a whole, there's this um, tasteful and really purposeful feeling to the whole thing, which, you know, credit to Woods, the backing band. There's just like a kind of a, a preternatural sensitivity to dialing it back, dialing it in, just like being really present. Every The drum fills, especially the drums mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. over the record feel like so perfectly attuned to the content of the songs. And I really can't say enough for how great, individual tiny moments are like this drum fill at the beginning of this song, like stuff that seems insignificant, but throughout this record kind of uh, just sprinkle fairy dust all over it. Like make you, there's just little like famous moments to my ear. Yeah. All over I think, it. I think every song has a moment like that. You're, you're totally right. Um, the drum fill at the beginning, it's the, the, the harmonica, you know, kind of riff that recurs again and again throughout this song. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Earle's like backing vocals on this. Don't look too depressed. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to impersonate them, but that little like kind of refrain that he brings again and again, which David mentioned was something that he just came up with on, on his own. Jeremy came up with on his own. David called this his favorite song on the record. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's such a, it's such a just every every song on this record, ten song record, they're they're all completely signature, um, I, I, and they're all in the same kind of sonic palette. But they each have it's their gonna be own the longest kind of episode. Of- yeah, you know it. This it, listen, if there's if there's a record that deserves the the title of longest longest episode of this fucking stupid ass yeah. show, it's this one. It's a good show. Uh, the light <laughs> of my life is going out tonight. As yeah, the this one. So this is where we start to get into. I mean, if we haven't already gotten into the deep, deep end with uh, All My Happiness is Gone, uh, this is the first of a couple songs on this record about the dissolution of his relationship with his wife, Cassie, Um, which uh, apparently had not happened. I mean, what's happening in this song had not happened to him at this moment in time, right? Like he, he, she had not yet left him to go out with someone else, but he was anticipating this. Their, their relationship kind of ended. He was separated. They were separated. And they, you know, there w- it was sort of a dead end. There, there wasn't a path forward for the two of them. And so uh, he mentions in that in that interview, I think, that this was his way of him, this was his own way of, of sort of like reckoning with that in advance before it actually happened. He's writing this song for himself and living it vicariously through his own poetry, through his own art. Uh, and it's hilarious and brutal and just like hopelessly sad at the same time yeah. as the entire record is. I sleep three feet above the street in a God. band-aid pink Chevette. Chevette, I, Jesus. I, I can't, like, if I really, this episode would be that long if I stopped at every single lyric. Yeah, every, I think every line deserves unpacking like that. I, on this song, there are lyrics that are like, I, I need to pull up the lyrics just because it's, there's ones that I need to see in front of me. Okay, well, uh, here's a lyric that I didn't um, even touch upon, which is in the first song, which is... <laughs> we go, we're coming back to square. Well, I have to, but... <laughs> we're talking about this, squ- this episode being too long. And I know, back but, to song one. But, uh, it's an hour. It, it, it relates to this song because okay. it's... Um, 
and when I see her in the park, it barely merits a remark. How we stand the standard distance, distant strangers stand apart. So good. Like Shakespeare. It's like the same three words again and again, but just strung together in this insane package. How we stand the standard distance, distant strangers stand apart. It's just beautiful formally. It's beautiful. Like, they're, it's not just that they're clever. A lot of these lines are beautifully structured, like, in a way that is, like, on their own, just... If they were just written down on a page, you would think that's so great. Like, that yes. is so beautifully constructed. You can't slip a piece of paper through the cracks in it. It's just, like, airtight... So tight. Ly- lyricism, airtight poetry, and... There's like a million of those. And yeah, that's like we, one that relates to this song. Um, and, you know, will relate to further songs. But um, it's it's a line about how, you know, they weren't divorced. They were still married. And they kind of were each other's sensibly like, I don't really feel like great talking about like the intricacies of the relationship as have yeah, been I mean, we don't presented. Need to, but-, but, you know, as far as you hear in the record... Um, I mean, and just in the public record, it's like they, it's not exactly that there was a big breakup of, on bad terms. It was something else that I think is, um, you know, the, you can just imagine maybe it reminds me of like Warren Zevon doing, um, my shit's fucked up before he even was diagnosed with cancer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, some sort of some sort of vision of the future, right? You kind of know what's coming for you down down the pike. Um, I I even remember in the um, just on the note of you know the, their relationship not being this sort of um, there wasn't some sort of dramatic blow up breakup sort of everything melting down thing, right? Like they they still cared for each other. They were they were part of each other's lives still. I, I remember David mentioning in that interview. Yeah, she's like as close to family as he's had. Yeah, she was the only family he had left and he, he even said in this line just stuck with me for for whatever reason, like they still shared a bank account. Like yeah. and, and yeah. he like brought like the fact that he would bring that up. Like just I don't know. Um yeah. But um, you don't know. You do know. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> we all we've, we've only got so I many think. minutes. Um, yeah. Uh, th- this uh, so lyrically also uh, just to pick up on another thread that we mentioned a moment ago, right? L- these lyrics sounding so uh, kind of uh, smooth and and perfect and airtight, right? Like that was part of the reason that his work with Dan with Behar wasn't working for him is because Behar was trying to get him to record the way that Behar himself recorded, which was make the music first, have a whole backing track, basically, and then fit your lyrics into it um, after the fact. Write the lyrics, fit them in wherever they wherever they go. And that, mm-hmm. and, and David, you know, that's just not how he, not how he approached it. And and these lines and these words, I think, right, like he, he's, he's operating in such a, such a simple and straightforward vernacular, f- literally for the man on the street with these words. There is no out of this world kind well, of, you know, literally the fancy. man on the street in a Chevette sleeping, sleeping she, three feet above yeah. the street. <laughs> exactly. Um, as, and yeah. yet as, as simple and, and unadorned as the language is, I think he, he struggled over these lyrics so much, so intense, like, 
it feels so, it sounds so, it seems so natural and easy and perfect and effortless when you just hear these 10 songs on this record. And yet it was years of labor and struggle and misery uh, behind the scenes for him to be able to weld these words together in such a form against this music to create the effect that we ended up getting. It's, you know, it's, it's, it, it, I think it's the perfect example of just like, you know, an artistic achievement that, that is such a monumental achievement. And yet it just seems so like it's something that you almost take for granted or you can almost take for granted. A thing about this record I greatly appreciate is its commitment to that tradition of the, of in country music of the chorus or the main refrain being a a joke. And this one is a great joke. Mm. Um, the light of my life is going out tonight. It's like, I love that. Cause like there's one of my favorite country artists is uh, Gary Stewart, who you might know from she's acting single. I'm drinking doubles or single again, or uh, an empty glass, which it's just all of his songs are about um, being uh, cocked or being um, just, or just being at the end of your rope and, and yet they're all pretty. They they have a like a funny line in a lot of them, or or like Merle Haggard. What am I gonna do for the rest of my life? Right. Um. It, the list goes on and on. I mean, it's a huge. It's just a major tradition in country music. Yeah, he's and, definitely and he, operating. He pulls in them the... off like in a way that like Nashville. I mean, Nashville. Hey, he lives there. Yep. But um. Th- th- that that like world of these professional, these serious hardcore pro country songwriters would be proud to have him on their roster. You know, at in in the fifties, sixties, or seventies, or eighties, he would have been toe to toe with any of those those writers. Absolutely, with what he puts out here. No question. Um, next song, I gotta get, a, I gotta refill before we get to this because this is we're we're really we're really getting into it at this point I'm on to the heaven's door at this point. No, no club soda. It's just get on my level. I've been drinking this straight Trader Joe's scotch for the whole time. All right. Well, I've had, I've I had should three stop. of these already for a change of pace. I should quit drinking <laughs> the, the rest of the episode. I won't survive. Like literally I'm going to die. Snow is falling in Manhattan. Jesus Christ. Snow is falling in Manhattan. Springs 
exalts the stoop and scoops the cat in. Tests the nice patch for traction. This song is a song about songwriting, and it's a song about being the songwriter. Yes. And it's a song about being an artist in the most compassionate and selfless possible way. I don't think I can say much more about it because it's really, at a certain point, it feels stupid to talk about these songs, like really just like dig into it and into it. I think for me, all I'll say about this song is that I think it's one of the most beautiful and the sweetest songs I can think of. And it is, uh, it's, it's like, it's the rarest thing of an artist who is as revered as he is by real, by artists you know, a, a real artist's artist, a musician's musician, a poet's poet, um, re- like stepping out from behind any sort of obfuscating or flattering light um, or by, by writing something about what he does. And by doing that, he still, it, it he can't help but be as great as everybody thinks he is if and it is shine as bright as he possibly can you know it's usually not like it's usually a hack move to like write about writing about writing or whatever and this is like one of those cases where it's not at all certainly it, not. it's just not at all it's like because he's not just talking about himself i think he actually is talking about the act of songwriting Yes, and and what's I think important about that is like you don't really get to that until like the, he takes his time getting there. Like it's not clear. I think initially through the first two thirds of the song or something like that, there's a particular verse towards the end where where it, you know he kind of the money lines come and and we we sort of pull back and get what this is all about. But he takes his time getting to that point um, and really building this. I, I'm mentioned this in a couple episodes ago I, I forget exactly in what context but this like this quality of a, a great short story writer right building the the world in which this is taking place you know and, and just like really uh, focusing in narrowing in telescoping in on specifics that allow you to get a sense of what this person's thinking and then you can fill it out the rest of your uh, the rest of your mind um, that that towards the end of that first verse the good caretaker springs to action salts the stoop and scoops the cat in tests an icy patch for traction just like the focus well, on yeah, these that, specific these specific movements these yeah, like but the, two just, seconds the of sound like, of that is so good too and poet, I, I, but exactly the, on top of that the poetics the icy, of it test the icy patch for traction it's so great. yeah just the way the sounds syllables so roll off yeah. your mind it's incredible um and then yeah eventually we get towards the end right there's the there's the money shot in uh, the last major verse um songs build little rooms in time and housed within the song's design is the ghost the host has left behind to greet and sweep the guest inside, stoke the fire, and sing his lines. Songs build little rooms in time 
Just all I all I will say about that is because I, there's more to say on the same note. You know, a few a few songs down the line here. Yeah, there's um, another song that has looking, a similar line. Looking back on this record and knowing what we know now about what happened after this came out, you know, I, this that 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 little stanza right there, and one and one more song later, in particular, the entire song is to me is David sort of. Explaining to the best of his ability what he was going to do and and why he was going well, to do it. I don't and know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's more like he's saying. I don't know that it's about his suicide. I, I think it's. I think that that line is like about the opposite, or something. Or it's not really. It's like about. It's like songs despite, build little rooms in time, and housed within the song's design is the ghost, the host, the songwriter has left behind to greet and sweep the guest, the listener inside. Yeah, knowing what we know, whatever's going to happen, this that, song still exists. Well, and yes. so, even knowing what he's going, what what you know, is going to end up happening, like this song is always there for us. Yes, but I think that yeah, I think it's a broad statement about you know, it's just true. It's just true about every song, right? And actually. There is a Destroyer song that I think does something similar. In the morning, off of Ken, bands sing their songs and then disappear into the rhythm of the night. Um, I feel like in a few lines, I mean, he he says something similar. You know, sure, I see shades of that. And honestly, like could have well been like that was what ken was 2017 i think right and this record was 19 like and i could have well been that that was something that just an idea that was floating through the room between the two of them and they both picked maybe. up on it in their own unique way maybe i mean it's just it's a it's a it's a lyric that i feel is you know it's not as intimate as this one but it's um it, it it approaches the same idea of like you know all these bands every artist every piece of, it's all ephemeral it is ephemera and music and records you know it's an attempt to be permanent it's really a fa- it will always fail nothing is really permanent but it does affect things and that's what this is about uh, this song is about and that lyric you know is kind of approaching that that there's this moment when the attempt at permanence actually like receives a, a listener and that can affect things from well past the actual death of the person responsible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, think, think of the word, right? Record. It's yeah, a, it re- is a record it, of, right. of what, ha- like that is that that's where it comes from is a record of this moment in time. The, these sounds being made in this room at this moment in time, regardless of how long ago that was and who's living and who's dead or like whatever it's, you know, it, uh, it is, it, it, you know, it's all ephemeral. Everything's ephemeral. Is, everything passes, everything changes as uh, a certain artist once said. 
Um, but um, it, uh, you know, things like this do stay there for us and stick there for us. And, and regardless of what happened before, what happened after, what happened, you know, in our lives and their lives, like it's, we can always just hit play on this song, at least, you know, while we sell electricity. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it'll be there for us. Um, it's a beautiful song. And just musically, the horns, come on. It's just, yeah. it's the song sounds um, like this is really, I think, the centerpiece, the showpiece of this, of the first side. I think there's one of these on each side. And this is, this is what the whole record has been building towards um, up until now. Snow is There's one last song on this side. God, just it's, can, this whole fucking. Can you believe it's been five songs and we're just. Well, we're halfway there. God damn it. Margarita's at the mall. As we alluded to earlier, I mean, he says Jesus at the beginning Christ. of the song, drawn up all my findings and I warn you they are candid. <laughs> no this, lies detected. This song just like has, it's, uh, has me just kind of. I I really I genuinely think that this is like the Jewish song of yes, the last. Yes, yeah. this 50, is a serious 60. man. It's it's just like the most Jewish song written in history. <laughs> it is this because you know I've I've talked about this at various points, just like bringing up Judaism on pod. But um, you know, this is if Judaism is all about like asking the question about like well why and what is going on and when can we stop to have something to eat and <laughs> those are sort of the main concerns uh-huh. of, the, of that faith um you know this song is about all of those and uh it's called margaritas at the margaritas mall. at the mall what a fucking t- like the 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 fact that that's the title for yeah, this that's song the title is for such this song. an insane bit of misdirection. It's, just, it's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. That whole cor- that whole verse. How, we talked about this a little bit, but just to just to make it plain, put it put it in uh, uh, put it in the record here. How long can a world go on under such a subtle god? How long can a world go? Think about this, right? David Berman, brilliant poet. This dude can think of fucking rhymes just like just like that, no question. 
each line, all four lines in this verse, God, 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 the way that it just repeats itself and he just keeps coming back to it and hammering it home with each line again and again. It's such a, it, you know. Yeah, it's the God, man is good. God, God, God. <laughs> the man is good as, as what he does. I just know what to say. He's it's good music. Um, Jesus, magenta, orange, acid green, peacock, peacock blue, blue, and, and burgundy. burgundy. The most ugly colors in a row. The most ugly colors to be said in that way, in a row. <laughs> like the, to be that sequence of colors together. It's the, it's the, the ugliest thing ever. Peacock, I think that, blue, and burgundy. Yeah. Magenta, orange, acid green, acid green. Peacock, think of the Joker blue, falling into the vat and of acid. Burgundy. I, I uh, just, I can't. That's my favorite um, lines in this song, because I just feel like it's his way of just describing the hellacious, clashing colors, the feeling of just what the fuck? Like right. why, why? Just like why would you why? paint it Absolutely. that way? Why would you paint? Why would you put those together? Why would you do that? It's so, it looks like shit. And that's <laughs> what this song is about. It's just like, well, okay. Like it, this is, it's just drinking in this environment because you have a drink in front of you. You can drink. It's, it's sort of a no new word from God. Might as well drink a margarita at the mall. Yeah, you're at the mall, no matter what you do, drinking the margarita, this could be, um, you know, we're just drinking, that's all this adds, did you say that, what's the lyric? That's all this uh, stuff. That's all adds. this adds up to after all, I think, right? Yeah, it's all that stuff, all this stuff. Yeah, that's what this stuff adds what up this to after stuff. all. Yeah, after all, so it's not that he's saying literally that's what's happening, it's just that like, the act of doing that, <laughs> which if you just think about it, it's like you're you're biding your time you're trying to wring a little bit of pleasure out of something that is just you know it's not a place for you to call home and coming after that last song snow is falling in manhattan a song that is all about actually relaxing and finding a feeling of home in the world this is um the negation of that by saying you're in the mall you are in a place that is meant to extract money from you it does not give a fuck about you you are here paying money to have this kind of shitty beverage and you're surrounded by ugliness and um you you might get a little buzz on you know this happy it's, hour it's the best you can the do balls. under the circumstances yeah it's With no this. new word from God, this is all we can hope for. Margaritas yeah. at the mall. That's it. It's like, I, th I think in, in a way it's a song about like the Jews praying to the golden calf. You know, the, um, the famous story in the Bible of right. Moses going up to the top of the, uh, the, the mountain and, you know, getting the uh, Ten Commandments. Yeah. And then coming down and seeing that everyone started praying to a golden calf and going, what the fuck? 
and throwing the throwing them down. <laughs> Moses is one of my favorite characters and um, beloved characters. You know, he's a great character. Moses. <laughs> and he's a great character, and I think that David Berman has a lot in common with him. It, well, interestingly, I don't want to spend too much time on this episode or any episode for that matter talking about genius annotations, but that is where I have the lyrics up. Um, Do they uh, say that on, in there? Well, so one of the one of the verses, uh, standing in the shadows of the signpost on the road, fifty gates of understanding, forty nine are closed. According to whoever annotated this on Genius, take this with a grain of salt. In the Torah, the fifty gates of understanding refers to the period between the Israelites' exodus from Egypt and their receiving of the Ten Commandments Fucking at Mount hell, Sinai, dude. Technically, there were 49 gates or seven weeks of self-evaluation followed by one day of prophetic revelation by 49 closed. Berman, now on the 50th day, is revealing that he hasn't really learned anything at all. Dude, I, I mean, there you I, go. I literally did not know that. And I it's just because I, I've got this... Uh, so yeah. you have gotten a nod from God, is what you're saying. Well, you know, you I'm have the, gotten a new word from God. <clears throat> it's old word. I'm a chosen. Per, I'm one of the chosen. <laughs> it's not new information, and he's not working off new info. But he is saying that we did get some great information in the past. We just have not really gotten an update. I'm just going to take a moment to uh, give myself a couple snaps for a, that. There you go. I'll but give you snaps it, too. You know, it's. To me, evident that that is something that the song is saying. It's a it's a very sad song. Yeah, you know, that this like this man is. Well, it's you know, about this, angst. It's about the true. It's about real angst. To yeah, use this that. Per, this this guy's is fixated on just some sort of sign, just anything, any bit of acknowledgement from some higher power up above, and he's not getting anything, and so he's drinking these just just deliciously. Ugly, the worst magenta orange acid green colored margaritas at the mall. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jake Longstreth has a similar uh, theme in his song, "The Worst Margarita of My Listen Life." Listen to Mountain Brews on Spotify, folks. Yeah, great, great song, great band. We're just drinking margaritas at the mall. This happy hour's got us by the. So that's the end of side one. Yeah. I mean, we could go on, but let's, let's go on. She's making friends. I'm turning stranger. I want to be tantamount to cordial, tantamount to good. I want to be a warm and friendly person, but I don't know how to do it. She can't make it to her car without making a new friend. She's a small town superstar. Everybody hollering her name. 
this is a song that kind of ties back into darkness and cold. Yes. Um, or certain moments, and that's just the way that I feel. It's it's a continuation of that narrative about his relationship in a way that feels grounded. You know, it's not about narrative. I want to be a warm and friendly person, but I don't know how to do it. And it's 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 a song that I think you know. It's not like a self pity. It's like a song that is just sort of like feels really just like he's a, a truthful acknowledgement of like well this is this situation yeah and yeah, it is it is what it is it's not yeah, very it, it, pleasant to live through yeah i don't i don't think that it, you know pity is is really there at all but it is clearly just a very like clear-headed straightforward acknowledgement of of things in that in that interview that i mentioned earlier um i i, I don't have the exact quote but he said something along the lines of like at a certain point, his and Cassie's relationship became this sort of thing where, like, whatever each one of them was for, the other one was against. And, and it, like, it was just this, like, this push and pull in opposite direction, like magnets, basically. Um, and I think that this song is 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 exactly, you know, kind of the crystallization of those feelings. Um, she's making friends. I'm turning, I'm turning stranger, str- which is a great turn of phrase. I'm turning stranger, turning now, not turning into a stranger, well, just it, it, turning stranger. No, but it, it and also, has that same connotation. It, exactly. Well, it has the same meaning. Yeah, I'm turning, yeah. turning stranger, and as in turning into a stranger or turning strangers, I'm becoming weird. Yeah, that's a that's a great line. Weird. Um, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 sort of picking up and, and expanding on, and I think this is sort of the, the clearest moment on the entire record, the expl- explication of sort of the dynamic that he was struggling with there, um, uh, you know, with her. Um, it's very, it's a very nice song. It's it's a very good song. I don't. It's, it's this is uh, the the pedal steel on this one. Like this is really. I mean, this is. We haven't. I guess we have talked about it actually. At, you know, at certain we points here, right? But this is like, this is a country rock. Yeah, this is a country rock record. record and this is this is really like that man. That pedal steel comes in at the beginning, and then towards the end, that kind of brief solo. It's such a. I guess we, we have mentioned a little bit the the, the musicianship of uh, of Woods, but like, can you imagine Destroyer? You know, trying to make a record like this in twenty nineteen, like like Ken, uh, uh, Crimson Tide era Destroyer. It's just like it. I can't even. I can't even get him like, get my mind around it. I'm just imagining like a sort of like Daniel Lanois pedal steel type right, sound yeah. behind. Uh, you never felt so alive. You never felt so alive, Crimson Tide. Well, but honestly, so that's it. It right? would work. Like, yeah. d- like we we have we we've been through the Bob Lanois relationship again and again. We don't need to relitigate that. But like, you see that kind of dynamic again here. I think it is just like someone else doing their own thing their own way, and Berman thinking just like you rock, you're brilliant, you kick ass, but it just doesn't work for me. You know, it it um. I, it's it's good. It's nice to me to see that that kind of 
it, it, that isn't only a Bob and Lanois sort of that that isn't something that only Bob has has wrestled with and dealt with in his uh, in his recording career. Yeah, I'm a loser. She's a gainer. Great line. I love. Okay, yeah. Geez, the next one. Good lord. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I love being my mother's son. I loved her so because she was so good and kind to me. She was, she was, she was. I don't really feel prepared to talk about it in this one just because you know my mm. as of as of this recording my mother is alive and I know that one day this song it's just you know I can't even really begin to think about this song I don't want to really you know right, right. I, don't, I just don't really want to have this song be relatable Yes. And to uh, many it is. And if it is to you, then, you know, it's. Yeah, it's. This is just one of the most, the sweetest and. Um, it's it's just a beautiful sentiment and it's not just a sentiment. It's just like a message uh, and. It doesn't need to be here. This song does not need to be here. It feels like it's here out of uh, generosity of letting you know something about himself. Uh, and this is the beginning of a part of the record that, I mean, this song and the next song yes. is, is just... Uh, yeah, these 10 minutes are the... You know, I, yeah, the pits of hell. I, there's, <laughs> I, I, can we skip talking about this one a little bit? I yeah, know. I mean, we don't, we don't need to spend. I just, I, I like you. You know, my my mother is still around. Thank goodness. Uh, I, I do have some more sort of connection to this, I, I guess, than you do. And just, I don't. I'm not gonna unpack my own personal history here, but things were one way at one point and then they became yeah. another way at another point for me, uh, with, uh, my familiar relationships. And so, you know, this, this song was about for David, the loss of his mother due to cancer first song that he wrote for this cycle of songs uh, should be noted. Um, oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah. Really? And, mm -hmm. and it's a perfect song. There's no other way to Wait, say it. Where'd you read read that, or how do you know that? He mentioned that in the interview. That um, is that is really interesting because you know I just said like oh this song doesn't need to be here, which is like kind of a 
uh, I don't. Uh, I, well, don't I thought know you meant need to be here, as in like it does. It doesn't you necessarily know, it doesn't, wouldn't make fit your, with like his relationship with his ex-wife and stuff. Well, like I that. would just say yeah, it doesn't like the record would work. You know, on on the terms we've been talking about it. Uh, you know, it'd work without this song being there. Yeah. But it's so it feels like you get so much more by his including it. And it's really interesting that this is the first thing that he wrote, because if he, you know, what we've talked about a lot is this desire to be meaningful, to just be, to be as meaningful as he knows he can be, to not um, be making tricks uh, lyrically for the sake of doing, you know, as great as, as a unmatched talent he is at playing with language and words, um, this song does not do that. It doesn't even try to do that. And this being kind of the North star for the record is, um, you know, that, that says a lot that this was the first thing. And then everything else came after that because this is the most direct song on the album. Maybe I think it is. Yes. No question. I mean, I loved being my, yeah. I mean, there's not even a, there's no jokes on it. There's not a single, there's just not even like a play on words. Like Yeah, there's no clever turns of phrase. There's no yeah. wink and a nod. There's no line that's a devil entendre that's partially sad and partially funny. Right. At the same. No, like this yeah, is just like, just... he's looking you in the fucking eyes and just speaking about like, I loved being my mother's. Like there's no other way to put that, that statement, that phrase. It's, and, and. Another thing to think about is that his relationship with his father was something that yes. was... Yeah, we haven't even touched on yet. No, and it was... Not great. I mean, it was as not great as it could be in in some ways. Cause like, you know, his, uh, David Berman's father was... Is, he's still alive, um, a sort of infamous um, right-wing lobbyist, uh, basically uh, responsible for... As David Berman saw it, and as I think many who know anything about his life would see it, um, you know, someone who has no ethical principles, it was, as far as I understand, one of the main reasons why he stopped creating art for a while, for like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I think he felt a great sense of shame. Shame. Shame, yeah, absolutely, about sort of where he came from unjustly. You know, you can't fucking pick who, you know, squirts you out. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> it's Gross. a relatively vulgar, vulgar phrase. Um, and, um, but, I mean, it's something, it, it's just a, another, another fucking block on the Jenga stack for him. Um, and, um, and it is very notable. I think you're totally right about that. That there is like really maybe the emotional kind of crux of this entire record. The the keystone for this whole record is this song. I love being my mother's song. There's a single, as far as I know, at least a single word about a father on this entire record. Um, it's um, you know uh, just it, saying everything that you you need to by omission there instead of directly addressing it. Um, I, I don't I don't want to get into you know a, a, a discussion about critics you know and and reception and stuff like that but I do feel like it is worth noting based on David's own kind of 
focus on the critical reception to his own records. Um, at the time, you know, Silver Juice and in this record as well, that a certain, um, <laughs> so I was just in the process of doing research for this episode and trying to be able to say something yeah, that what didn't are you sound completely at? stupid. Um, a certain YouTube uh, reviewer uh, oh, of Anthony music, Fantano? What do you uh, say? A certain YouTube reviewer. Okay, tell me. What, 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 I don't know what you're about to say. Gave this record an, a, a quote-unquote light eight. A light eight. A light eight because Why? certain songs such as this one were a little too quote-unquote not even bullshitting. This is direct out of his mouth. Too on the nose lyrically. <laughs> If and and I don't like just, Wait, don't, just is, please please don't say anything for a second and I just want um I just want a, a second to just acknowledge that uh you know the information that you the listener have just heard um is uh you know all you need to know about that fucking guy yeah, if if your reading of the song "I Loved Being My Mother's Son" is that the lyrics are too on the nose, a little on, a little on the nose. But meanwhile, the new song from Daughters is fucking awesome. <laughs> if that's your reading like... of the song, you have no business reviewing music. That's all I have to say. Uh, nights that won't happen. <laughs> This is what I feel about this song. <laughs> I feel it's a little on the nose. It's funny that you say that because this is the most like uh, torturously uh, nightmare-inducing, uh, heart-wrenching, soul-crushing song that I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. If you think that David Berman at any point... To say that anything that he would do is on the nose is to insult is to completely you don't know what you're talking about you just don't know what you're talking about like this is someone who if he's if he is on the nose which sure it's like the worst possible way to put it but saying i love being my mother's son or nights that won't happen for example if you were to call them on the nose um as a a pejorative it's it's just not knowing that if that's the case if what you want to say is that it's you know bracingly direct that's like the right way to say it. Not that there's a right or wrong way, but like if you just want to be like, if you want to, if you're trying to understand, this is someone who can do fucking circles around you poetically anytime, any day of his life. And when he doesn't, it's because he is doing that on purpose. It's a choice, exactly. It's he's not he's not failing to live up to your expectations of him as a poet. He's doing this fucking deliberately. You yeah. goddamn fucking numbskull. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry too. But um, <laughs> you know, um, nights that won't happen. 
God damn. Another song that is like one of these ones that's not, uh, not worth talking about because it's really better to be listened to, but it contains a lyric that every time I hear it, like just dissolves whatever's holding me from crying at that given moment. And I, uh, even just thinking about it, it just like twists my face in a way that is involuntary. Ghosts are just old houses, dreaming people in the night. Have no doubt about it, hun, the dead will do all right. Go contemplate the evidence, I guarantee you'll find. And something about that line, ghosts are just old houses, dreaming people in the night, I think says something about like the inherent it's like that the world wants people to be in it and that just like that i think that line just says that in a way that you can't just say it's i don't know how i don't know any other line i can think of that articulates this idea but it feels like it's about that like you the world wants you to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean that, that line, that line in particular, that single line in particular, I think sticks out <clears throat> for me on this whole record and this song in particular, and this whole record in general, because of what we've talked about up until this point where it, which is him pursuing right this this such a such a straightforward you know uh, uh legible uh man on the street uh, a kind of writing style something that is, is very understandable he, he, he needs to mean right he's done with the bullshit poetry and that is a line that is bullshit poetry but it's and not, it's not it, though. but but right but not not in not in a not a pejorative sense but in you know in the sense of a silver jews kind of lyric right it, it has a it has a an ethereal kind of quality, yeah, an esoteric he, kind of quality. Yeah, but he knows and that it, it's one that has it. That's the the, uh, the thing about the record that brings it that brings it to a level of greatness is that, yeah, it's true that he is being really direct, but he knows when there's poetic lines that you know capital P poet poetic phrases that are good enough that they actually are clear about an idea in a way that's just as clear as saying I love being my mother's son. It's just yes. as clear as saying the literal thing. And so to, you know, you've just heard a song that is as, as straightforward and clear as on the nose as it could be. Yes. Yeah. He knows, he knows when to, he's, he's being very deliberate about his decisions when to be straightforward and when to address the audience in common day vernacular and when to pull out, you know, a little bit of the classic David Berman poetics here. And, and that's, I, I think that line in particular is maybe the line of all the lines on the entire yeah, record. It's certainly the one so in this too. song that sticks with you and, and has, has this sense of, of, of unknown, uh, this quality of unknownness to it. That's not even a word, but you know, it's, it, it, it's something that you wrestle with, something that sticks with you. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a line that makes really, it, for me, like if the rest of the record were to fall away, it's the line that I feel like is it's just like a diamond at the center of it that is like 
holds the whole thing up because yeah. it's a because that line is about what happens when nobody's there. And and the rejoinder to that. Ghosts are just old houses dreaming people in the night. We got that over here. Who knows? Yeah, that's his own thing. Have no doubt about it, hun. The dead will do all right. We're right back into just dead, simple, straight, no questions about it. We know what these fucking words mean on and the page. I don't think that this... Say it. I don't feel like this... There's also two ways, just like we were talking about the two ways of reading. That's just the way that I feel. I think there's an obvious way of reading this song that a lot of people would gravitate toward of, oh, it's about his suicide. But actually, I think it's maybe more about the experience of the last song we heard. It's about him talking about the feeling of losing someone. I don't think that it's necessarily well, like, so I'm going to kill myself. That is So that is, interestingly, that is what he mentioned in the interview with him and, and, uh, and Vish is on that Creative Control podcast, uh, is that he claimed he wrote this song about his experience losing yeah. people in his life yeah and, and i think that he was the one doing this you know the dead they're doing all right he's the one suffering at that point and and if this is a, if we really i mean it's hard not to get into like the you know real thing of what we're talking about which is you know suicide we, you know we it's, can't not it it's, is it, there's this impulse that you know like it feels like every other person you talk to or you every time it comes up in a major way there's people who have this and you know can't I, i'm not making a judgment on it but there's there's sometimes people have a reaction to suicide which is anger at the person who's done it who's killed themselves and I feel like if you are inclined to feel that way, this song might be sort of triggering of like, oh, like he's, he's like, it, it could like in light of the context that we know, you know, it might kind of feel like flagrant, like he's taunting you about his own imminent death. And I don't think that's what it is. I think that he was, yeah. And it, it I, I'm willing to, t I take what he said in that interview at face value that he was, I don't think he was somebody who would do that. I think he's somebody who cared more about other people than he did about him. I mean, I think people who kill themselves a lot of the times they care more about what other people are doing or think than they should. Uh, and sometimes it's the other way around, but this is an example where it's neither here nor there. I think this is a song about just his feeling of loss and, it happens to, you know, now seem like it might be about himself. And I, I just don't think it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think like I was saying earlier, right? Like this is a, what he's doing here on this record is courageous, is brave of him to do. Um, yeah. And, and this song in particular, I think is, is maybe the best example of that is, is him is him writing from a, a a a place of experience, right? He's he's the one doing the suffering, um, uh, you know, at least on 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 surface level, on face value. Um, if we take this for for what it's it's meant to be on, you know, words on the page, and but at the same time, you know, I I do think that this is him. You know, I I think he's asking. I, I think there's an element of asking for 
forgiveness and mercy and understanding, not from God, not from someone out there, not from the cosmological or something here, but those, you know, those that are left behind, uh, as, as he mentions in the song, um, and, and some, some degree of understanding here. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I just, I can never put this song on and have it not just punch me square in the fucking sternum. And it's doing me, it's doing it to me right now. Um, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I it's just for, for my money, I just, for what it's worth, my favorite song on the record. And it's, it's one that just is, is never going to stop haunting me, I think, from beginning to end. Um, Should I re- use this opportunity to read a poem by David Berman? Go for it. Yes. Actual Air. Okay. Yeah, I've got Actual Air, his book of poetry in front of me. It's called The Double Bell of Heat. Midway down Walnut Street, a yellow sign says slow deaf child with the silhouette of a running boy painted over the bent and dented surface. Just the post, rusted to black, gives the story away. The child must have grown up and left the neighborhood a long time ago, and now there's this sign. You can imagine his parents going to the city clerk's office. Their paperwork is strange and complex, languishing in office outbends, drifting through council meetings. One spring morning, the boy sees two city workers get out of a truck and set the bright sign in the patch of grass between the sidewalk and the street. He watches it out of the window, knowing what it is, watching it gather the world around it, like a mountain in the Bible. Cars heed the sign, many drivers scanning to the left and right, hoping to catch sight of the deaf boy playing. Some drivers imagine hitting him and slow down even more. They play out the scene, what they would say, how their lives would change. And the years pass, even for the little deaf boy. He gets married, has kids, maybe moves to a village in New England with stone walls and candle makers. You can imagine him returning to the old neighborhood, driving down on a fall afternoon into the quiet center of things, gently breaking before this old street sign. He would do that. He would come back, as if it had been written twice. The next song is called Storyline Fever. Storyline Fever. Doubts about the words of a night she got left 
crowding out all but fear and regret. You got storyline fever, storyline flu. It's filtering how everything looks to you. Don't you reckon it's affecting your attitude? Storyline fever got its hooks in you. Storyline fever got its hooks in you. These last two songs are like a bit of a respite from what we've just gone through. He's bringing it back. Yes, he's bringing bringing things back up. And this to song, the extent I, that you can. On, well, on I mean, least. I think this song is, if we want to talk about courageous, you know, the, I, I actually think this is kind of like sleeper hit of, of the record in some ways because it's like a pep talk. It's a spiritual pep talk. You know, it's, it's um, a compassionate message. It has nothing to do with being cute or clever. It's about like trying to lift oneself up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, musically, yes, absolutely. This is, this sound, this is, this is, we're, you know, second to last track here, right? We're bringing it back up. We're, we're, we got a, we got a catchy one here. We're tapping our toes to the extent that we can on this record. I don't, storyline fever, storyline flu. Yeah. Is sort of a, um, it's filtering how everything looks to you. Don't you reckon it's affecting your attitude? Storyline fever guy, it looks to you. I mean, he's clearly writing about himself outside himself, without himself. Well, it's um, writing about everyone, because, like, this, what he's talking about is, like, uh, the flu, you know? It's a fever. It's it's communicable. It's it's something that affects everyone. It's the way that the song is framed. It's all directly to you. You know, it's about how this is not specific to him. It's right. about, like... You've got it. On occasion, we all do battle with. It's, sure, it's, sure, sure, sure. So yeah. it, it's it's like this song is like medicine. You know, I feel like this is one of those times where the song, where the album reveals itself as like a uh, a tonic. It, yeah, it's something to. Yeah, I, th- I think there is. You know, we we mentioned a few minutes ago, right? His his shame about his his upbringing, where he came from, his father, and and I think there is an element certainly here of this whole record, of like shining a light on the darkest corners of yourself and 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 where you came from and how you feel and and the fucked up fucking shit that goes into making uh, you who you are and by doing that um you know uh, you're 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 going to you're going to do something positive for yourself and for those out there for the those others out there who who have the same kind of feeling and um and might you know obviously suffer from some of the same sort of challenges um yeah uh yeah he he mentioned i think in in that in that podcast um that this is 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 him sort of like talking to himself about like the cognitive behavioral therapy that he'd gone through um you know in in order to cure himself or, or not cure but ameliorate at least some of the um challenges of the depression that was so overwhelming for him um but like sort of interpreting storyline fever, storyline flu, it's filtering how everything looks to you. Like, like I think, I think it's him trying to convince himself, right? Like him that I think he knows thinking that, that he does know, right. He, and, and yet he, he, he knows and yet he can't help but feel that way. Right. There, there's this, this collision of, of the, the, the id and the ego here. He can't help but feel like he is the, the, the center of this story that is fucked up and yet he knows better than to know that. Yeah, well, isn't that the, the I mean, I can't help but think about 
the thing David Foster Wallace said about suicide, comparing it to like you're in a burning building and at some point the only option becomes jumping out. Right. That it's not really like that it's a physical thing and you know it's a thing that affects you on levels that are not you might intellectually understand something but the physical toll of certain kinds of depression or anxiety can bring one to uh it can the the pain can just be too intense and in a way that no Absolutely. nobody could Nobody, if they were in that, yes, you know, you would. It's the the thing of you would never wish it on your worst enemy. Sometimes that thing happens to somebody who's a great artist, who's a great yes. person, and it just happens to them. And that is, it might as well, you know, it's interesting that he has so many songs about being struck by a vehicle. You know, like, <laughs> like that poem we just read, and uh, like uh, I remember me. A song mm-hmm. which I think is my favorite Silver Juice song, probably. It's a good song. Um, one of them, anyway. There's, um, it's yeah. There's, <laughs> there's know, no right answer to what's your favorite Silver <laughs> Juice song. He's somebody who left so much positive work behind that I don't think his suicide is even close to scratching. It can't even do. It can't come close. It can't. Define it will never define what he was or what he means. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I personally choose to believe this statement. Um, that he he frames the entire. I know we're on to storyline fever, but just to the circle back to nights that won't happen momentarily. I I choose to believe the statement that he frames that entire song around the fucking very first line. The dead know what they're doing when they leave this world behind. Like you know, no, there is no right answer to this. It 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 might be about one. It might be about the other. But there's you don't you don't need to literally believe it. You it's it's about it's I about, well, but I I do literally believe it that that it. I just like the David Foster Wallace quote that you just mentioned, right? You're in a burning building, you got it, and at some point you just got to jump out. You know, like there is, there's a sense of relief. There's a yeah. sense of 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 peace. In that sense, I mean, it frames it as a as a, it's an act of self preservation. Yes, which is exactly. As exactly. as completely crazy as that might sound, and you know that might be. I'm sure it is to some extent my own sort of mental whatever process leading me to try to make lemonade out of a lemon. But I, at, at the end of the day, I think that that is really, um, that's the. No destructive act can hold a candle to the creative act that was his life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, we, 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 the audience, the listeners, that's all of us, may not be getting the, the artistic product of, of uh, you know, the, 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 the torture and the, and the feelings and the, the just, you know, black depths of hell that David was going through throughout his life anymore. And that is, you know, that is a tragedy, obviously. Um, and at the same time, 
the the fact that we are being deprived of that means that he is he is no longer going through everything that led him to have to create this in the first place and that i think for me is is the is the the solace that i can take um is the understanding i think that i can i can come away with in this whole thing is that this is ultimately yeah something to whatever i hope so i hope you're right yeah Maybe I'm the only one for me. <laughs> yeah, th- and this song is like just honestly, it's just fucking funny. Uh, it has, it, it's just a funny song. Uh, Jesus, the ultimate neoliberal love song, according to David Berman himself. <laughs> Why would he say neoliberal? He said, this was this was in 2019. I think this was I don't know when the Elliot Roger thing happened, but he said this was from the point of an incel as oh, well. Wow. I think that well, was in the. Can't relate. You know. Well, you know. <laughs> No, We've all been there. We've all been there. Um, you know, every time you're not having sex, you're an incel. Right. Um, <laughs> so, well, <laughs> it could be a vault cell. Oh, God. Such a great. And, I mean, this is why you got to love the guy. You know, the, the, this is the funniest song on the record. It closes this entire thing. It's just the fucking... The, the seventh circle of hell looking into the eyes of Satan himself and seeing your own mortality. And he's right. just he's just reeling off one liners about what a shithead he is. Yeah. I, but it also uh, has the it also has the the lines, um I'll put my dreams high on the shelf. I've gotta learn to like myself. Um, or I'll have to learn to like myself. Yes, that's true. It also has lines, if no one's fond of fucking me, maybe, maybe no, no one's, one's fucking, fucking fond of me. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> maybe no one's fucking fond of me. I mean, it's, uh, it's the funniest line on the whole record. <laughs> he's the king. I don't know. He's the fucking king. <laughs> no one's fucking fond <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it, it it really more than any line on the record that one actually like, that's makes it. Me that's smile. The, yeah, it's so funny. God damn, that's a, it's a punchline. It's literally a stand up, fucking like ga- like laugh line, applause yeah, sort of thing. It, he and he chooses to end the record on yes, you know, exactly, I'm, and that's it. I'm on on the on a thing that's like a funny joke and and a song that contains the line. I'll have to learn to like myself. Mm. You know, I think people will talk about this record forever uh, about it being like, you know, we started talking about it as kind of feeling like that. But actually, by the end of talking about it here, I don't necessarily feel this is that record. I don't think this is like a suicide note record. I think it's like a diary record or it's a it's a working stuff out record. What happened after it's just not it's not important to what this record says it's a different that's later i mean that's just not what you have it's not what he put down yeah yes yeah i i think in general the the entire record is not is not that um you know it 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 can't help but be co- but be colored by what what happens just a few weeks afterwards and and i think that whether or not he knew like whether to what extent he was writing knowing 
what would happen and and where things would go and to what extent he wasn't it's just it's it's immaterial like this is this is the the this is what we're left with you know this is this is these are the last words of david berman for for better or for worse for you know the the general public at, at large like us um and and i think what we're left with is is a statement of beauty and of of understanding and of courage and bravery. Yeah, we and talked about of, courage and bravery. How about beauty? I mean, that's another thing, another word that's like thrown out of the lexicon these days. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, maybe try doing something beautiful. That's what he's doing here. He's trying to make something beautiful. And it is. He did it. Not everyone is able to do that because they think it might be too on the nose, you know? Right. Ugh. He, I think for me, what's most important walking away from this, you know, at today and into the future, whenever, whatever is he, he got back. He, he came back is he at a, at a certain point, just, it, it wasn't fun. It like things weren't firing for it. The, the tank was empty. Like the, the engine was not firing for him at, at a certain point. And, <laughs> and maybe that was, maybe that was the depression. Maybe that was the pitchfork reviews. Maybe that was the interpersonal relationships. Maybe it was the relate, the combination of everything. Well, maybe it, it certainly was wasn't Anthony deck. Fantano. Right. Well, I'm not going to uh, give him that much credit. Right. Please don't. Um, and, but whatever it was, he, he didn't give up. He, he fucking, he persevered. He came back. He, Put his, he woke up every fucking day and poured himself a cup of coffee and went about his business and wrote these songs, whatever, and and he and and he put enough of those days together, one after the other after the other after the other after eleven years, and this record is is the testament to that decade plus of work that he he put in, and like he says in Snow Is Falling in Manhattan, right? Like this is the the. It, it this is here this is always here for us it's it's what is going to exist for us from now until the end of time that's the other way of viewing you know the thing that feels sort of dimly terrible or like ominous that thing that i was talking about at the beginning of talking about this record um of you know when you fall down that this record is like there at the bottom of the pit it's this record at the exact same time is is there when you see through that, you know, it's also there for the most, uh, for the moments where you, you realize that what you're going through isn't the end of things for you. And it, and it ultimately, you know, maybe it took his last bit of strength to, to make that happen with this, but he succeeded and it is a record that, ultimately affirms life yes this is why we live this fucking record this is why anyone lives for something like this and David did it
can't say any better than him. Songs build little rooms in time, and housed within the song's design is the ghost the host has left behind to greet and sweep the guest inside, stoke the fire, sing his lines. Jokerman. I can't keep on pretending 